Welcome to the Sandbox. Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. We have some really great episodes lined up to share with you in the coming weeks. I'm really excited for some of what's coming up. Yeah, you know, we just had uh, an excellent conversation with Regina Mustafos here in the Sandbox in our world headquarters here in Northwest <laughs> Rochester. You know, it's it has been a year since we uh, had her as a guest on our yeah, live hard, event. Hard so to believe. Really yeah. good to catch up with her again, and, and we're uh, excited to share that episode with you soon. Yeah, it'll, uh, I don't know, it be next week, but... Uh, for now, what we're doing is is this past summer, we went on a road trip to the East Coast. We left Minnesota like before dawn <laughs> at hours that I rarely I, see. Ones that I didn't know existed. <laughs> but we got up, we got going, and, and uh, Chris and Karsten and I, we, we drove across the Midwest, and, and by dinner time, we were absolutely whipped, tired, hungry, and the smell in the car. Or maybe a little smelly. I'm glad this is not your typical scratch and sniff podcast. <laughs> Nevertheless, as we went, we met up with a guy by the name of John Creasy, and we were we met for dinner somewhere in the heart of Pittsburgh for some fantastic Thai oh food. Oh my gosh, the Thai food was so good. What I loved about it was, you know, you ordered extra spicy. <laughs> Okay, so anybody that like knows me in person knows how much I love spicy food, but like I I'm a total wimp. Like I just can't handle it. I love it and I keep eating it and it it's just bad news. The sweat and the tears and you could barely make it through the meal. <laughs> it took and... me like 3 days to eat it cold. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, so I, and that just kind of set the tone for the night for you really. And uh at any rate, we got done with this 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 meal, and John took us to the place where he and his faith community grow food. Yeah, so this uh, he is the director of a, the Garfield Community Farm, and uh, it's this this really amazing um, permaculture farm that they've built on these abandoned lots in the city of Pittsburgh. It's really pretty incredible. It's like twenty, maybe twenty five lots. Yeah. In the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I just couldn't believe how much they were growing and, and what they were able to produce, and and. Uh, Kind of what that did for the, the their their own community and, and those that they worked alongside of. They're absolutely transforming lives, transforming the landscape of the of the city. And John is this pastor, it's permaculture farmer, as you said, and just doing absolutely impressive works, uh, work to to transform the the community in which he's based. Um, so we're looking forward to introducing him to you. And uh, without uh, further delay, here's John. Yeah, this is Garfield Community Farm. We're at the top of a neighborhood in Pittsburgh called Garfield. Uh, Top of the hill here is a water tower and two and a half acres of once abandoned land that now has uh, a farm on it. The other side of the water tower is public housing. Um, So that's the population that we work with and that are a part of our community and that's who we grow our food for primarily. So what were the lots like when you took it over? Were there houses here or was it? Not a whole lot different than some of the area like right here uh, that's still overgrown. There's a lot of invasive species. It's fairly wooded and we are keeping it like that. Um, in, in some areas uh, you can see birds flying around. There's a lot of migrating birds that stop over right around here. Um, Because there's so much abandonment, forest is taking over this urban neighborhood. Mm. And that, uh, you know, can be a good thing if it's managed well. So that's kind of 
uh, part of what we're trying to do is just manage the land well and, and see um, ecological restoration alongside productivity for people. So we're trying to really grow food, but do it in a way that um, is, is really beneficial for migrating birds and <laughs> animals. And, and it's two and acres, you said. It's about two and a half acres. And did you start with that or? Tw yeah, well, it's 20, 25 lots. Mm. And we started with just one that we walked past. One little uh, lot that's fenced in. Um, there's our sign that uh, a volunteer made. It's, it's pretty beautiful. But we can go up this space. This is one of the gardens. It's kind of split up into like six different garden spaces. Each one's different. Um, this space we're trying to develop into more of a, like a community space. It's productive, it's our herb garden. Okay. <clears throat> but it's also a labyrinth. Oh, cool, yeah. Um, so people can just come up and walk the labyrinth. They can pray, meditate. Um, we also have our pizza oven, cob nice. oven made of sand and clay and straw. Who made that? Uh, we did with volunteers and uh, a friend, a friend of ours um, who has a company called Fourth River Workers Guild. They do green building and they wanted to practice uh, doing cob building. Okay. So they built that with like children from the neighborhood and church kids uh, one summer. And they did it for free. Um, so we could keep walking this way. So this is a neat space because I mean, it, it's a, a place to just be for people, but it's also, you know, we've got garlic chives and and sorrel. Have you ever had sorrel? Mm. It's lemon sorrel. You gotta try some too. So what do you do with that? Wow. We, That's uh, really good. What do you do with <laughs> it? Crazy. <laughs> Sometimes restaurants uh, will be buying that stuff, but neighborhood kids love it. Mm. Like they can't mm. get enough of it. Last week there was a Amazing. little like seven-year-old and uh, he picked a whole bunch of it because some of his friends couldn't come up that day with him and he's like I gotta bring some home for my my friends at home <laughs> so it's just fun like kids in the city getting you know falling in love with gardening <laughs> cool um, learning how to do it and what it is yeah all these different crazy plants so there's all sorts of things in here during the day it's alive with bees and butterflies and, um, and yet we're harvesting in here every week for restaurants and um, for our farmers market in the summertime um, little uh, pavilion. People can come and eat, do picnics and stuff. Uh, we're we're practicing something called permaculture, and I, the best way to explain permaculture is, is what I was talking about before the uh, the combination of ecological restoration alongside uh, production for people. The idea that being an environmentalist. The environmentalist movement isn't enough because it doesn't address how we live as human beings and that we're the problem. It's kind of just saying, let's set all this aside and stay away from it. You know, we can't, can't fix people. Permaculture says, let's uh, fix the environmental problems and allow ourselves to be a part of it and, 
and fix us too uh, mm. alongside that. So we're looking to be productive with food production and you know even building, um, but also restorative environmentally and ecologically. Um, so with that in mind, we built a greenhouse with uh, permaculture design in mind. So this greenhouse is a, we call it a bio shelter. Because okay. um, it shelters life. So, so when did you build this? Built this a few years ago, um, three or four years ago. Uh, the idea is that we want to be able to grow all winter long, but it gets pretty cold here in Pittsburgh. Um, and we don't want to use natural gas to heat the building or electricity or anything else to heat the building. Um, so we just designed it to capture the warmth of the sun and store that heat really well. Um, so it doesn't freeze in there in the winter time. Uh, we can go inside. It's kind of a tropical, little mini tropical setting. So this is, it's kind of a mess in here, but a mess with a lot of good things. Uh, this is the bio shelter. The chickens are wondering why we're here at night. Oh, and they are. Uh, chicken coop, they also have access outside. Um, we grow microgreens on, along this back wall and mm. these shelves. And those we sell to restaurants to uh, make some money back for the project. And then up here, all sorts of good things like uh, um, tropical passion fruit. And we have banana, two banana trees. Banana trees. Bananas. Banana, actually, <laughs> technically, bananas aren't trees, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, banana plants in Pittsburgh. Maybe uh, <laughs> uh, we might be the first farmers market to sell homegrown uh, bananas. Have they have they produced bananas? They haven't yet. This okay. is their second. We've had them for a year, going into okay. their second summer. I'm hoping they made it through the winter. That was the hard part. So is it like a like a three year cycle? Like a lot of it's a yeah about a, a, a by the end of this summer uh, we'll know if they're going to bear fruit. Okay. That's super cool. Yeah, it's a dwarf variety. Um, but we've got a you know, fig tree in here, and we grow all sorts of salad greens um, up in these beds and edible flowers that we sell to restaurants. So the, the idea with the restaurant sales is we grow um, certain high-end, high-cost products that we sell to restaurants. All the, the bulk of the food stays in the neighborhood, um, and we really try to get it into the hands of those with low access to fresh healthy food and then the you know we're not really losing out not selling them edible flowers but we can sell edible flowers to the restaurants down in mm -hmm. east liberty in that neighborhood i was telling you about that's developing like crazy um goes for top dollar and yeah top yeah. dollar we make some money back for the project cool i get a paycheck that way <laughs> <laughs> um my family eats too <laughs> so wow and these guys. Yeah, look at that guy. Still two rabbits in here. So the rabbits, they, uh, they're productive too. They eat all the weeds that we give to them and help us with our compost. Yep. All right. Yeah, and we have a pellet stove. That's the, the one source of heat when there is no sun, which happens mm -hmm. quite a bit in Pittsburgh. Sure. Uh, no sun and uh, it's, it'll, it'll start getting pretty cold in here. We'll kick that on at night. Mm -hmm. so, cool. Yeah. 
walking down. The now. chicken's warm. Yeah. They give us more eggs. Though. So, how many acres did you say again? Two and a half. And how much of that have you? How much of that have you actively done stuff with? Yeah. Versus just kind of let it kind of um, work its way back. I'd say about two thirds we're active on in some way. Okay. Some of it is tree planting. We're you know planting lots of different fruit and nut trees and berry shrubs. Um, like this, we haven't done anything to right here. Um, we're gonna have goats here next week. Actually, not next week. This uh, later this week, we'll have goats in the central area just to eat the knotweed, which is mm -hmm. an area like right in the middle there that we can't do anything because the mm. the invasive Japanese knotweed is so bad. Mm. Uh, this garden with the wooden fence was our first garden, so uh, we thought ahead and planted trees the first year, which I'm thankful for now because we'll have lots of apples. Oh, okay. pears um, and then on right in the middle of the garden is where we grow our annuals there's raspberries in there and gooseberries and, and uh, I think six or seven rows where we grow right now salad mix okay. different types so down here we have a tunnel that uh, a bunch of stuff growing in there another uh, big garden space down there and then our forest garden our food forest um, in that area the whole thing is kind of a food forest kind of the way that we're, mm -hmm. we're moving the management toward um, when you say food forest <clears throat> more uh, having an understanding of how a forest works instead mm -hmm. of a uh, you know a grassy field and mimicking mm -hmm. you know just yeah, always sure. trying to get rid of get rid of everything and plant annuals. We're really trying to understand how a forest works because a forest is... Renew re renews, renews itself. itself. Yeah. Yes. It's, yeah, It knows how to live on and on and on forever uh, in health. So if we can design agriculture around mm -hmm. an understanding of forest ecology, then we've created an agriculture that's truly sustainable mm -hmm. and regenerative. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, so that's really, that's what, what permaculture is looking to do. Understand indigenous ways of doing agriculture. Because that's what they did. They, they managed it yeah. in those ways. My name's John Creasy. I am one of the pastors of a church called The Open Door in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And through the church, uh, I also am a farmer uh, at our farm called Garfield Community Farm. Um, we have uh, about two and a half acres where we're growing food for the people of Garfield and with the people of Garfield. Cool. So farming and pastoring going together, that's fantastic and it's not, it's not a combination you hear of too much. Yeah, it was totally accidental. Yeah. Um, this, the church started in about 2004 um, and we, uh, we planted in a neighborhood called Highland Park but we're right on the corner of Highland Park where we began having our worship gatherings. And um, there are four very different neighborhoods uh, in this area of the east end of Pittsburgh. And uh, as a church, we, we really wanted to engage in ministry in, in the neighborhood of Garfield, but 
we were struggling to know how to do that. And Garfield is a neighborhood that's more than 50% abandoned. It is um, 90 plus percent African-American. It's also one of the most impoverished neighborhoods of Pittsburgh. And uh, we're a church of mostly overeducated uh, <laughs> white folks uh, coming from the universities in Pittsburgh um, and we really wanted to engage in our neighborhoods and, and become a more diverse church, but we didn't know how to do that. Um, so the farm really began out of a very intentional partnership with another small church uh, in the Garfield neighborhood called Valley View. And they're a historic African-American Presbyterian church, one of, I think, only two Presbyterian African-American churches in Pittsburgh now. Um, and through that partnership, we discerned uh, the need for fresh, healthy food in Garfield. And we also saw a lot of abandoned land um, that was not being used for anything uh, in our neighborhood. So that's where the idea came from. So you're, you're called Open Door Church, and mm -hmm. you were trying to connect with, with the community in a more intentional way. And, and, and in a sense, this garden did just that, right? It opened the doors to, mm -hmm. your, to your neighborhood and to different partnerships. Mm -hmm. uh, how has that developed over the years? I mean, when did the garden start? Yeah, so the garden started in 2007, 2008. Uh, we, we went out looking for a vacant lot in the neighborhood. We could grow some tomatoes and meet mm -hmm. more of our neighbors and... And what we found at the very top of the hill, so Garfield is a very s steep hill, as you know, you guys yeah. went up there. It's it's a tough walk to get up there. <laughs> I mean, your car's chugging to get up there. And uh, w most people who live around here have never been to the top of the hill where the water tower is in Garfield. Really? Except those who live in the public housing up there. And, uh, and, and those who go up to you know, drop some drugs for a deal or whatever. It's a very easy place to do things like that. Also mm -hmm. prostitution. Um, so we were looking for one lot and we walked up there looking around and, and realized there were 20, about 25 contiguous lots, two alleyways between them, 25 homes in, in that one area that were all torn down between 1970s and into the 80s. There was one house still there in 2008 when we started, and it was torn down that year. Um, all of a sudden, uh, people were talking urban farm, and I was like, I'm, let's just like do a little garden and see how that <laughs> works. I know how to plant a garden. I like gardening. We can do that. Um, so we did. We fenced in a little area on those two, three city blocks, um, You know, just one little corner of it. And we trucked in some compost and planted some fruit trees. And, and we were successful that first year at growing some really good tomatoes and giving them away to our neighbors. And um, of course, lots of hot peppers, because that's what I like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and we had fun doing it. And we realized kids around there, they came out. We uh, got a grant to hire some interns from the neighborhood to help us create the garden. And you know, it was great. Uh, so we had success that the, the first year, and and we had also success in sharing this the this story of growing food for our neighbors. And um, other churches began saying, hey, "We'd like to come out and help with that." So they started sending volunteers. We did. We were doing these Saturday work days, and 
And then we, we asked them if they would give us some money too. And mm-hmm. they did. <laughs> and so the next year we expanded and the next year we expanded and so on and so on. And so now uh, 10 years into the project, um, we're in one way or another on all of the two and a half acres. Some of it is still wooded um, and we like it like that. Um, but we're using uh, permaculture design to, to help us figure out what to do with all this land. And we're planting lots of lots of useful plants and, and fruit trees and shrubs and all sorts of good things like that. It sounds like you knew how to grow tomatoes, which if I'm lucky, I might be able to do, <laughs> right? But it sounds like y- you didn't come in with a farming background. You, you just came in with the ability to grow some tomatoes. Um, but you've been learning on the job, right? I mean, yeah. this is, or, or did you know more? I mean, yeah, I, well... I, uh, I I like to say that I grew up and went to seminary as a closet environmentalist. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I've always had a real love of nature and, and just being outside, love of plants. Um, I, I always liked gardening. Um, but no, I was not a farmer yeah. coming in, uh, yeah. starting this, this urban farm. Um, so, yeah, I've done a lot of learning on the job. Mm-hmm. I was lucky to get connected with uh, the kind of the, the Pittsburgh permaculture community, get my certification in permaculture design, um, which really permaculture, I've heard it mentioned on your podcast before, yeah. Uh, yeah. just in passing. Uh, <laughs> permaculture is really uh, a, a design, a way of designing for both ecological uh, health on a piece of land and productivity for people. So looking at... Mm. Can we do some of the things that oftentimes are very destructive to an environment? Can we do those things that actually increase the health of the environment instead of uh, destroy them? So growing food, for instance, Mm. can we grow food and see uh, native bee populations get more healthy? Can we Mm. grow food and see migrating birds uh, have more space to... um, to build nests and, yeah. and to, to find food. Uh, what so is, we've learned a lot. What does that look like on a practical level? Like what's one example of that that you've done in this space? Yeah. Um, one of the things that we do a lot of is, uh, is, is plant both native and, and some non-native plants that flower really well. What we've learned uh, with flowers is, well, they, they look pretty and we can cut them and sell them, but more importantly, they'll attract beneficial insects into the garden um, and they'll support pollinator populations. So it's like a win-win-win situation when you plant the right kinds of flowering plants. So we don't have to spray the tomato plants, almost never do we have Mm. to spray the tomato plants to get rid of any kind of worms that sometimes you deal with or whatever, because we've got parasitic wasps, these little tiny creatures that come and they actually lay their eggs in the worms and then when those eggs hatch, the worms die and the, the babies eat them from the inside out. So, so we don't have to worry as much. But yeah, so, so planting things that are beautiful and useful and mm-hmm. you can sell and you know, they support, uh, mm-hmm. support an ecological system. In addition to the, this idea of the permaculture that you're cultivating uh, right there, there's also a prayer labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And 
So it's it's holistic in in every way. There's this uh, prayer labyrinth that is surrounded by herbs, mm-hmm. and say more about that. I, I don't know, you know, not everybody might be familiar with what a labyrinth is, mm-hmm. and and then just what's growing around it. Yeah, there's one of the churches that supports us right down the hill in in the East Liberty neighborhood. Uh, a beautiful big church called East Liberty Presbyterian Church. They have a, a labyrinth inside the church large labyrinth and when i was in seminary it was it was one of the the respites that i would take uh away from study and away from the busyness of the city i'd go down into the basement of east liberty presbyterian church and take a half hour and walk the labyrinth it's a way of of uh of meditating that is physically active so you when you walk a labyrinth you're you feel like you're lost in a maze but you're not you know that the labyrinth will the halfway point will, will will bring you to the center, and and will you'll take some time there, and then on the on the way out, I always imagine on the way out of a labyrinth, you're being sent back into the world after being, you know, filled filled up uh, by the spirit, and so we we built a smaller labyrinth at the farm, yeah, and and it's a still a productive space. I think it's a good a good example of permaculture because it. It has more than one purpose. Everything and you realize everything in nature has many purposes. Everything in a permaculture design has many purposes. So our labyrinth is is productive uh, in that again it, it brings in lots and lots of beneficial insects into the farm because it's mostly flowering herbs. Um, we also harvest those herbs, and permaculture is always about people, um, and we can't have a healthy. Uh, ecological system in permaculture if the people are not healthy and so we um, hope that people will find an opportunity to walk into the garden and take a moment to to meditate or to pray and to just uh pause for a moment as they mm-hmm. walk the labyrinth yeah mm-hmm. what uh i guess if, if you can think of anything or if you if you think about them think about things in this in this way when it comes to this stuff but like what things have you learned from uh, the farming that's influenced the way that you uh, relate to your faith? Yeah. The seasons of farming in, in our climate, at least, uh, you know, a climate where you ha- we have very distinct seasons um, have helped me see the, the need for the need for rest in life. Uh, Winter time, I, you know. Now I look forward to winter because uh, by the time November's over, Thanksgiving's done, I can take a deep breath, and I know that that December, January, it's going to be cold around here and gray, but I can I can uh, know that I'm not going to work any twelve hour days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I'm going to be able to take a deep breath and and, mm-hmm. and be at home a little bit more. That um, you know, rest is a really important thing. And, and that also helps me prepare for a really busy spring when I am working a lot. But I'm, you know, I'm okay with that because, uh, because there's a, a rhythm and a cycle to it. So spiritually, uh, you know, God, God built in Sabbath, uh, you know, within our scriptures. We, we read a lot about Sabbath, and it seems like the people of God have taken that seriously for a long, long time. And there's got to be a good reason for that. Mm. Um, so, you know, learning to, to take Sabbath weekly, but also to look at 
real intentional times throughout the year that can be times of rest and reflection. I mean, what's, what's the point of just going all the time, of doing the same thing, working as hard as you can all the time and never having an opportunity to, to rest and reflect on, on the why? Mm. Uh, and uh, I think that I've, I've learned that from, from farming. It's kind of like a, 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 kind of like a lived permaculture, in, mm-hmm. whether it's in your family or in your in your faith life. In, Absolutely, in the rhythms and how you uh, relate to your calendar and mm-hmm. your watch mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. I'll never forget walking around the urban farm that John and his community built. There we were in the middle of the city, <laughs> Pittsburgh, in a neighborhood that had been crumbling and abandoned. We were in a part of town that had seen really more than its fair share of crime and trouble. And something new was growing. Literally, there were trees and there were tomatoes and herbs and onions, cucumbers. There were, ch- there were chickens and rabbits. Like, I've got rabbits in my garden, but and not on purpose. Neighbors who had been there all along were being fed and supported through this farm. This is death and new life. New life was growing out of the very same ground where old, uninhabitable structures once stood. Really, isn't that the way that it works? And to hear John talk about it, it wasn't always easy and it isn't always easy. Nevertheless, a new thing is happening. It's it's growing and it's sustainable. It's changing lives. What about your life? What about your community? Where is something maybe coming to an end? What is crumbling? What in your life is a shell of what it used to be, an uninhabitable shell of its former glory? Might there be something new growing in its place? Maybe the new thing is just beginning to to show its first few shoots through the soil. Maybe it's time for a full-on harvest. But again, in farming, just as it is in our everyday lives, there is a familiar, well-worn pattern. It's death and new life. Death and new life. Death and new life. May you have the ability to discern where you are in this cycle. And when the time is right, may you see the first shoots of new life. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. To stay up to date with all the things going on in the Sandbox, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think about the podcast. And if you'd like, rate and review us on iTunes. Join in the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it. There is always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the sandbox.